This is Channel 253. The Citizen Tacoma podcast is sponsored by Alaska Airlines. I'm Candice Rood, and I fly Alaska. To book your next flight, go to alaskaair.com. I'm Candice. I'm Doug. And we are the Citizen Tacoma podcast, informing an empowered electorate. I thought we were empowering an informed electorate. In In the the city city of destiny. Hi, Doug. Uh, So on this week's episode, we talked to Debbie Cafazzo, a longtime News Tribune reporter, and Matt Martinez, the director of content for KNKX, which recently bought its independence from PLU, about a very hypothetical, theoretical, pie-in-the-sky idea of what it would take to buy the News Tribune from its current owners and or create a nonprofit news outlet in Tacoma and Pierce County. I just kept quiet, rolled quote unquote tape and listened and learned and found out also, you won't believe where they have a fudge shop. <laughs> Listen in. Welcome to Citizen Tacoma. I'm here today with Debbie Cafazo, longtime amazing News Tribune reporter and my former cube mate. And Matt Martinez from KNKX, who is the director of content. I am indeed. And I'm Candice Rood. I'm the newish host of Citizen Tacoma. Yay! Um, So the holidays are upon us. Hope you're all having a good holiday season. Trying. Yeah, trying. do you want to, Matt, talk about your news with King Kicks? Yeah, we have some really great news. We're very excited about it. Uh, we've recently announced that we are moving our our main broadcast operations to downtown Tacoma. We're going to be right on Broadway in Ooh. the Payless building. Yeah, right across the street from um, uh, Tacoma Arts Live. I have to keep remembering the, the new name as <laughs> listeners had to remember our new name. <laughs> and we are uh, right next to the Knights of Pythias building uh, right there uh, on Broadway. Very excited. Should be up and running by June sometime. That's so awesome. yeah, nice. off the PLU campus and right to downtown. And we're super excited about it. That's I have a great. question for yeah, Matt. Yeah, Sure. Have you been in the Knights of Pythias building? Yes, I have. Isn't it and awesome? if anyone yes. gets a chance to go it's into that building, it's a really cool place just to visit. Yeah. I've never been in there. Yeah. Yeah. It's That's big awesome. fun. Cool. Uh, Well, I gathered these brilliant people here today to talk about something that's been swirling on social media a little bit recently, partially due to myself and my (laughs) tweets. Um, But the News Tribune, which we all dearly love and value, and it's been sad to watch what's been happening, uh, recently had another round of layoffs where they laid off 67 full and part-time employees in the printing presses and in the production operation. They're outsourcing the production of the print paper. Uh, And it was recently announced that 24-year publisher David Zeke is leaving the company and he's not going to be replaced by a physical human being in Tacoma. His job will be kind of taken over by one of their Tacoma West publishers based in Idaho, I want to say. So that's kind of... She's not moving to Tacoma? No. Oh, I had heard that she was. Oh, Oh, is she? I don't know. My my sources are perhaps suspect. <laughs> <laughs> the the story I'd heard that was that 
she was going to be taking over that role from her current location. But oh, if that's okay. wrong and she moves here, that's good for Tacoma. But regardless, there's been a lot of bad news uh, for lovers of journalism and and reporters uh, with the News Tribune. So we wanted to talk about, have a couple conversations about what it would take to possibly buy the News Tribune or create a some sort of nonprofit news outlet in Tacoma and Pierce County. And Matt has experience with this in the form of KNKX. Do you want to talk a little bit about? Yeah. Well, what we did was essentially, uh, ha- you know, we turned to our listeners in our time of need is is basically what it came down to. I mean, it was really the community that rallied around the organization because we were in between two organizations, a private institution and a public institution who had made a deal and had a contract signed and were going to go through with it. And if it weren't for the community coming together and saying, we really value this local resource and we want it to stay the way it is, we uh, thank you for saying that you're going to do all of this new stuff, uh, but we think we have a, a pretty good deal right now. So it was kind of a snowball effect. At first, it was, no, we're not going to let you you know, raise the money to buy the station. And... The more they said no, the more people got angry and the bigger it got. And eventually uh, to the point where both sides said, okay, you can raise the money. You have six months to raise $7 million, which was the uh, price that was agreed upon between the University of Washington and Pacific Lutheran University. And uh, and there was also a million dollars of underwriting over 10 years that was part of the deal. So it was kind of like an $8 million package. Mm. And we raised the $7 million in uh, about four months. Wow. So it was, a, it was a pretty fast process and surprised all of us. But it was really a testament to the community coming together and saying, look, this is important to us. And we believe in local media and – If we lose this, we have no real expectation that it's going to exist in the way it does right now, Um, especially if it is a Seattle-based media organization that would be running uh, the the network of signals that we have. And so, and so that was that's really what drove the whole process. Yeah, it, it it was quite the. Quite the thing. So it has been done. I mean, <laughs> people have saved local media, and uh, we're not the only place. You know, this also happened in Greeley, Colorado at KUNC. Same exact thing. Mm-hmm. Station under threat. Community comes together, raises millions of dollars, buys the station, and they are now an independent station in, in Greeley. That's yeah. Awesome. So it, it, it's happened other places as far as radio goes. Mm-hmm. And that was only the two years ago. Was that about? That was two years ago. Yeah. So the the announcement came in 2015, uh, in November of 2015, and we started the campaign to uh, save the station right around Christmas time. It was a hard time because you know you had to do all of this really red tapey stuff, which is you know file for a you know a nonprofit status to get a tax ID number and you know, all the stuff that you have to do to 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 raise money in Washington state and very difficult to do when no state offices are open so uh, it was a lot of you know laying the groundwork to really launch the campaign in a loud way in in January and and that's and that's what we did January of 2016 was really the 
you know, uh, the the shoe leather, you know, right. being uh, being spent. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, it's a very inspiring story, and especially when we think about kind of what the what shape the News Tribune is in now. Mm-hmm. Um, there are fantastic journalists working there who Debbie and I and I'm sure Matt know personally, uh-huh. and we don't want to see any more people lose their jobs or see journalism eroded any further in Tacoma and Pierce County. So I think that that's the big point mm-hmm. is um, I really was fascinated by the whole KNKX story and how that came together. And even back then, when I was still a card-carrying uh, TNT employee and journalist, I, the wheels started turning about, <laughs> you know, uh, could this happen on the print yeah. side? Um, there's been various iterations of print media evolving around the country, um, but it was an amazing effort. Um, yeah. One of my questions is, were you all, because I, I only followed it peripherally, were you all able to um, use the radio yeah. to raise the money? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So so that's something that we had as a very distinct advantage. Uh, we couldn't fundraise in the traditional sense of fundraising on the radio. When you hear big pledge drives, we interrupt programming and come mm-hmm. in and we ask you for your money in a very nice way. Uh, but, <laughs> but we do Always. it. The the deal with this was that the university, PLU, was going to assist us, actually, in in raising the money. Um, they weren't going to deter us. And so they said, what you can do is run fundraising messages for the campaign to buy the station in what, what are called avails. And these are just... Uh, the 20 second underwriting spots that you hear on the station, you know, support for KNKX comes from dot, 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 mm-hmm. eyes on Freeman or whatever, you know, whoever is underwriting with us. So uh, they uh, allowed us to use those 20 second um, announcements to to do whatever we wanted. Um, so we couldn't interrupt programming because it was against FCC guidelines to interrupt another organization's signal to fundraise for another a different Makes organization, yeah. so we had formed a different organization. So we we could there were there were some logistical things that we had to get around, but essentially we were able to get that message on the KPLU air and tell them that we wanted to uh, you know we wanted their money to buy the station. So big advantage. that was mm-hmm. a big giant megaphone uh, that we yeah. had every day. That's yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Um, so I guess going back to the News Tribune, I wanted to, since Debbie, you were at the News Tribune for how long? Uh, almost 24 years. So I, I think because you were the there for so long. The best years of my life. <laughs> 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 Tell us what it was like, what, what it was like there when you started in terms of like staff and just the, the environment versus when you left in 2017. Uh, when I came to the News Tribune in late 92, um, I came there from the Bellevue Journal American which has sadly passed on <laughs> to journalism heaven. And um, I never really did an assessment of numbers of staffing until later in the game. But um, we were a regional power. Uh, we competed a lot with the Seattle media. Um, and over the years, they evolved into having three editions of the News Tribune. There was one in King County, which I played a, a big role in for about 10 years. 
uh, the Pierce County edition, of course, and there was also a Thurston County edition of the paper at one time. So we were a regional power, widely recognized for our sports coverage, mm. our coverage of the state capitol in Olympia, and, of course, my favorite, local news. <laughs> um, and at one time in the 90s, uh, there was probably about 150 people in the newsroom. That was counting... Assistants, librarians, librarians. At, wow! Yes, at one time, uh, in fact, when I came there in the, in ninety two, um, just recently passed away. The uh, great Mike Meharry was an editor there. Uh, I think we had a five member investigative team, and that's what they did. Mm. Um, and as you know, by the time you arrived, all those things had eroded. Um, I don't know what the head count is anymore, but I know it's 20-ish. Total. Maybe, maybe fewer. Wow. I don't know. Wow. Yeah. And I, just this is a total aside, but yeah. just a, you know, a big shout out to media librarians, yes. um, and newspaper, radio, broadcast librarians, print librarians. These are like – it's so hard to see that position – you know, being eliminated from newsrooms, mm. they do so much incredible work and make sure that a lot of what we do every day is accurate. I mean, exactly. the amount of research uh, that they are able to pull off and add to local coverage is is absolutely stunning. And you know, it's you know, we don't have we don't have a librarian at at KNKX. Um, when I worked at NPR, I worked at NPR for quite some time, and and we had librarians, you know, throughout the building, and it was just an it's just an amazing, mm-hmm. an amazing resource, and like worth a worth worth its own little you know article or or exactly. you know yeah. something. Well, at one time know, there were at least great. three, maybe more people yeah. doing that at the News yeah. Tribune, and of course. The dawn of online archiving, uh, in one way, made your research easier, but essentially what it did is it pushed all that labor onto the reporters. Mm. Yeah. Um, And, uh, you know, it it was just a constant chipping away of the resources. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I mean, we should say that this is not just what's happening at the News Tribune. It's happening at local newspapers all over the country. Sure. With very few exceptions, I would say. Um, so you, Deb, you eventually left in 2017. What made you leave? Um, you know, I guess I could say the old cliche, it was time. <laughs> um, I had watched this magnificent regional uh, player in local media just become reduced in resources, not in terms of talent, as you said, that the talent is is still there, what's left of it. Um, I had been there a long time. I'm old, okay? Um, You're there, not go, old. there goes my job hunt right there. Um, I had options. I had assets, unlike some other um, younger members Me. of the staff. Yeah, you, yeah. right? Um, so it, it was a move that I thought I could make. Um, that's on the selfish side. But on the emotional side, um, it was really damn hard to leave a place that I had put my heart and soul into for nearly 24 years. Um, interestingly, I like to point out that David Zeke um, and my daughter in the form of a zygote <laughs> arrived at the exact same week <laughs> at the News Tribune. I always thought there was some kind of um, weird, weird uh, juju Kismet. going on yeah. there. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, uh, 
so, you know, it, it took a lot of soul searching. Um, they waved a little money at people who were willing to get out. It mm-hmm. was clear. I don't know how many iterations of layoffs there had been. Um, but I, I think the biggest push for me was the fact that they were going to tie, at least this is what they said at the time, they were going to tie reporters' performance very tightly to clicks. Mm-hmm. Um, and A million a year. Yeah, so, <laughs> which is just ridiculous. Which is wild. I'd never gotten a million <laughs> clicks. Um, and I was covering education for a long time, which is another thing that's very uh, near and dear to my heart. Um and they made it very clear, the editors, that they really didn't want to have an education beat anymore. They wanted me to do other things or the types of stories they wanted me to cover in education were the types that got clicks. And I'll tell you, my biggest hits uh, as an education reporter were not where I explained policy mm-hmm. or laid out the fact that Washington State was a leader uh, nationwide in helping transgender students. None of those big, important stories. It was when, like, an educator died, right. lots of clicks, um, or had sex with a student. Yeah. Um, and I just <laughs> yeah. looked yeah. at the prospect of focusing on that kind of stuff for the twilight years of my career, and I just said, mm, no, I'm out of here. Mm. So I went to work for the Tacoma School District, which also didn't work out very well because um, budget cuts. Yeah, that's me. So. Right. Right. Um, so Sorry I got some time that. on my hands. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> She's looking, everyone. <laughs> um, so, Debbie, you've done some research on uh, McClatchy, which is the owner of the News Tribune and has been since the 90s? Uh, late 80s. Late 80s, early, okay. I, It was before I got there. Mm. Um, was it family-owned before? Yes. It was yeah. on, oh, it was another yeah. interesting, what a small world uh, Pierce County is. It was owned by the Baker family for many years. Um, they also were the people who started uh, what is now uh, KBTC. Right. Prior to that was Channel 11. I forget who owned it. Several people. Yes, we used to have our own TV news in wow. Tacoma back in the day. <laughs> um, and prior to that, it had been, I think, KTNT or something. Yeah. Um, and they sold that off. It's the broadcast studio is still there right across the driveway from the News Tribune. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so the Baker family sold to the McClatchy Corporation. And one of the first things that still sticks in the craw of a lot of people in Tacoma, one of the first things they did was kill the newspaper guild, the union, mm. um, in the newsroom. And if you know about Tacoma history um, – that pushed a lot of people wrong buttons yeah. in Tacoma. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of those people are now dead, but nonetheless, um, when I first came here, it was still very strong. I was on the business desk initially, and I would have union guys tell me, I'm not talking to that scab newspaper. <laughs> so so they came in on a really high note yeah, into yeah. Tacoma. Um, but they, they also built the paper up into its, its regional... Uh, prowess, Mm -hmm. if you will. They were the ones who hired a lot of sports talent and built that department. Um, And uh, yeah, did a lot of other good things. Um, And for a long time, the money was just literally rolling off the presses and life was good. 
It's so hard to imagine. Yeah. <laughs> so you, you've done a little research on McClatchy's current state, which yeah. is probably a lot like the state of other big corporations that own only newspapers, and that's their only uh, interest. Exactly. So what's going on with McClatchy? Uh, well, I am not a financial expert, uh, so I just sort of dove around. Um, I found some kind of, uh, I think they're called Risk Monitor, and um, they said that McClatchy is struggling in the newspaper industry. Uh, the Pointer Institute, which a lot of journalists will know, is a, a nonprofit out of um, Florida that talks about the industry a lot. And they have someone who covers the industry. Um, they noted, I believe it was in September, that one of McClatchy's longtime lenders was buying up their stock, which, again, I'm not a finance person. I don't know what that means, but it could mean a lot of things. Use your imagination. Mm-hmm. Um that particular article on Pointer's website prompted a uh, letter from McClatchy's PR person saying, no, we're really doing really well. Um, <laughs> Hard <and> to imagine. <laughs> there's a lot of stu- other stuff if you get into the weeds and read their proxy statements and uh, the CEO's chats with analysts. Um, you know, I don't know that they're necessarily tanking any more than anybody else, but the industry as a whole, the print business is clearly, I think dead trees are dead. Mm. Uh, certainly the News Tribune has almost acknowledged that by getting rid of their print. Um, they're moving it, last I heard, to the Vancouver Columbian. Right. Which is so bizarre and makes right. no sense. And as, as you know, even when we were there, um, one of those initiatives in, in 2017 that prompted my thoughts was um, they told us very directly, do not think about the print product. Right. Put your focus online. We're going to worry about the print product. And and the unsaid message to me was, and we don't really care much about it. Right. Um, And The stories in the print paper are like two days, three days old sometimes. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And they have been for a while. and I don't think that's necessarily a bad business strategy. I think it just reflects the way of the world. Just got to feel bad for people who are still taking that, that print paper seven days a week and paying God knows what for it. Exactly. I uh, After I stopped working there, I canceled my print subscription. Mm. I'm online only. Mm. So Makes sense. So I guess all of this kind of explaining the financial situation of McClatchy is to warm us up to the idea that Maybe they would possibly let the News Tribune go for a small sum. Uh, So we're going to take a real quick break, and then we'll be back. This is Nate Bowling, host of the Nerd Farmer podcast on the Channel 253 Network. I fly a lot. And when I fly, I want to actually enjoy my time in the air. So I'm looking for two things. One, being treated like a human being. And two, an amazing mileage plan. And for those two things, the only game around is Alaska Airlines. The flight attendants are courteous, the service is efficient. When I fly with Alaska, I feel like a human, like a customer, not a commodity. And the mileage plan. I get rewarded for the miles that I fly, which means that flying across the country really racks up the miles. So the next time you're looking to fly from SeaTac, skip the travel sites. Just head to alaskaair.com, book your ticket. You'll thank me. I'm Nate Bowling, Alaska Airlines MVP Gold, and I fly Alaska. To book your next trip, go to alaskaair.com. All right, we're back. 
Uh, so we're here with Debbie Cafazo, longtime News Tribune reporter, and Matt Martinez, director of content for KNKX, the scrappy, awesome Seattle NPR station. Yeah. That is my personal station. I listen to KNKX. I'm so glad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, Debbie, um, we were talking about the owner of the News Tribune is McClatchy, a big corporation. Their financials are not great, as you could imagine, for some a company that owns print newspapers. Um we would like to potentially explore the idea of maybe someone buying the News Tribune and saving it. Uh, Debbie, what would that look like for you in an ideal world? Ideal world. And and I want to preface this by saying this is me daydreaming. Mm-hmm. I haven't done a stitch of actual exploration of this idea. I'm just talking. Mm-hmm. Um, in an ideal world, I think uh, McClatchy would be willing to sell and again, that's a big question mark. I have no idea if they're willing to sell. Um, and we, meaning we, the community, through community fundraising efforts, would be able to gather enough money to buy the brand and maybe their subscriber list or something like that. Mm. I don't want the building. I don't want the <clears throat> largely empty parking lot. Um, <laughs> or the press. Or the presses. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know who's going to want those because by... Uh, McClatchy's own admission, they don't work anymore. Uh, <laughs> uh, and we're not going to print anything anyway. It would be an online effort and um, be run by a nonprofit board of community people. And um, as I assume KNKX is. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I know a lot of the people that I would personally recruit. Um, and again, in a pie in the sky world, I'd be the publisher. Yes, mm. absolutely. You should be the publisher. You should also <laughs> run for city council. <laughs> I don't know if I can do both of those things. Um, I'll, talk, I'll talk more about that later. <laughs> so, um, Matt, when KNKX bought its independence, yeah. what did it buy? What does that mean? So that's I was thinking a lot about this when, as we've been, I've been preparing to have this conversation. Uh, what is it that you're buying when you're buying the TNT? Right. So we bought our. Translators. We bought theoretically, a, theoretically, theoretically, <laughs> theoretically <laughs> by NTD. Right. We bought our transmitters. Uh, so these giant, you know, all this equipment and towers that are on the top of Tiger and Cougar Mountains, and we also have signals in Olympia, in Victoria, and Cedro Woolley, and then we have translators all up and down Western Washington. So all of that stuff. That's that's what that we was bought. part of the seven million. That's part of the seven million, and also what's called the broadcast chain, which is the stuff that basically gets the audio uh, it's an in-between point between the studio and the transmitter mm-hmm. so um, so all of that stuff is also included in the sale uh, uh, you know, we didn't get the call letters. Uh, we didn't get um, uh, a lot of the equipment uh, that is in the studios now uh, was not part of the deal. Uh, we are buying all new equipment in the brand new uh, studios, which is which is very nice. Um, and uh, and essentially, we kind of, in a way, we kind of like bought our our staff, like we kept them with us. You know, we were able to, you know, we didn't really buy them. We just could be able to continue to pay them. But as a different organization, you know, they they stayed with us. So there is like human capital that was not necessarily part of the deal, but really was the reason that people stepped up and saved us because they liked certain people. They liked certain reporters, certain people who were on the air. So there was the 
the idea of all of that that was that that we bought um, that isn't explicitly in the contract. So uh, when I was thinking about the TNT, it's like is that what you're buying? You're buying the name, right? You're buying the brand. The, name, the brand. I would call it, yeah. um, if you if you were able to do something like that, and in a sense, maybe some of the people and the voices that people really love mm-hmm. about about the News Tribune. And I can I can imagine you know like Sue Kidd yes. and um, and Matt Driscoll mm-hmm. and like they're they're depending in, on your politics depending, yeah <laughs> yeah exactly uh, I no. love you Matt um, so you know depend depending on you know what what it is that you're 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 you know pitching to the public I think that could be a very very strong you know case and it was part of our case is that you're not just buying radio signals you're buying the people that you love mm. to listen to every single day and the coverage that you rely on. And that's what we really emphasized. You know, it's really, really, really hard to get people on board with, you know, uh, radio transmitters. What is that? I've never seen one of those. It's going to be amazing, you guys. You don't even know what you're buying. Um, but but in a sense, you know, uh, they were they were buying the folks. Yeah, essentially, is what it came down to. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, yeah. I think that's a very resonant idea. In in my dream scenario, we'd be able to buy some people back that maybe have had to leave the News Tribune for financial reasons or because they were laid off. Um, so, in this theoretical, completely hypothetical, not real world. Um, so, who were the donors? Are they big, small? Corporate, like who are they? They were uh, a mix of of folks. They were our listeners because we ran announcements on the air. Uh, we were able to use our donor database. Um, so we have, I think, about twenty four thousand active members uh, right now. I think it was a little bit more before the announcement of the sale because a lot of people were like, "All right, that doesn't sound good. I'm dropping out of that." Mm-hmm. And so we lost um, we lost some folks, um, but we're getting them back. Uh, slowly. So, uh, uh, and then people who just heard about it, who are like, oh my gosh, this is so cool. Like this, this, you know, scrappy group is trying to save this radio station. And we got donations from all over the country and the world too. Uh, people who heard about it, who love public radio. Um, they might've known us personally. They might've been fellow journalists who were, you know, really excited about saving a station, uh, uh, and retaining local news. And so the average donation uh, to the campaign to save the station was, um, uh, I should have looked this up before I came in, but mm-hmm. I think it was a little over $200. Oh, wow. Um, wow. We didn't get a white knight who came in and gave us a million dollars. It just did not happen. Okay. Uh, uh, we got big gifts and really generous gifts. Um, we got uh, six-figure gifts. Um, I don't think, I think 250000 uh, was our was our largest gift. Um, but, you know, we didn't get a a Steve Jobs or a, you know, Paul Allen, you know, coming in and saying, here's $3 million, you know, um, you know, have fun with it. Uh, but uh, we like to – it's good though because it really was the community who was saying, you know, we want to save you. So, you know, it, and it made it really, really uh, attractive for other funders uh, because they're like, oh, there is community support for this. Right. And we know there is because there's evidence by all those people who gave. Cool. So. 
Who yeah. was the $250,000 gift? Do you remember? You know, I don't remember. Our director of development would probably know better. And a lot of these folks are, are private, you know, citizens. Mm-hmm. They're not big folks or corporations or anything like that. They're just, you know, listeners who love the station. It's yeah. like the Bernie Sanders method of... Yeah, it really is. <laughs> it really is. Well, the thing that I found interesting in all that... Um, First of all, PLU was a willing seller. They wanted right. to get rid of the radio station. That's right. So that's a little different situation. That's different, right. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, in the grand scheme of fundraising, $7 million is not a lot of money. Um, I know from an inside source of mine that when the Everett Herald sold, I think it was about five years ago, it went for a couple million dollars. Wow. Mm. Um, I don't know, three, four, I don't know what the exact number is, um, which really surprised me. Uh, They were a little smaller operation than the TNT was. Um, I don't know. They may be bigger than the TNT is now. Um, So, you know, people have the idea that there's this giant corporate thing and it would cost a bazillion dollars, um, I think, is an erroneous assumption. And... um, I think there are enough people in Tacoma and the greater Pierce County community that have enough hometown pride that Mm -hmm. they would not want to see their daily news operation turn into a shadow of its former self or, God forbid, a branch of some Seattle media. Um, There are weird connections a lot of people outside the media don't know about between the Seattle Times and the McClatchy Corporation. Last I heard, McClatchy owns like 49% of the Seattle Times, which they acquired when they bought Knight Ritter years ago. Um, Again, I don't have any inside knowledge about what that might mean. Um, But I think that if there were enough people behind the fundraising effort, and big if, if McClatchy were willing to sell, um, yeah. I think this community is totally capable of doing it. Yeah. I do too. I, I think that the the dream the dream of McClatchy selling the TNT, um, and again, back to what are they selling, just the name. Really, that's all you kind of want, that mm. the name and maybe the subscriber list, you know. Right. Um, and and then what you do with that is is an all-new uh, adventure, or you just do what I think a lot of journalists in in places that and uh, and actually not very small cities like Denver mm-hmm. uh, have done, and in in Texas, uh, there's the Texas Tribune, right. uh, which was started with venture capital money. They had venture capital money to start that up, but I don't think the um, uh, the Colorado Sun in Denver, which is uh, which. Basically, Denver. It went through the same thing with the Denver Post. It was just, it was, it was, it was decimated. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so these journalists were like, "All right, we're going to form our own media organization and call it the Colorado Sun," and they did. And I think it's up and running now. Oh wow! And it's nonprofit. And um, I don't know what their budget is. I know that the uh, the Texas Tribune's budget is, you know, between five and six million dollars. It's a fairly healthy organization. It started with venture capital money, and it's nonprofit. Mm-hmm. And the same with the the Colorado Sun. That's also nonprofit. There are nonprofit models out there, and 
uh, I think that all of them have some kind of seed money that mm. helps them get to a certain place. Right, right. Yeah. Because the thing you have to think about is that there's not just the purchase price. There's the ongoing operating costs. So it has to be, as you in public radio know, a constant oh, yeah. fundraising effort. That's right. Um, interesting that you brought up uh, the Denver Post. Um, that was part of my research in May of this year. Politico ran an article about the Denver Post called, sadly, This is How a Newspaper Dies. And they talked about um, Alden Global Capital, um, which operates digital, what is it called? Digital First Media, Mm -hmm. um, was sort of, as they put it, sucking the marrow out of the bones of the paper. And uh, again, things way above my pay grade. Um, But they talked about the, the business strategy of why are they doing this instead of just selling it? Well, um, uh, uh, there's some great lines in here talking about uh, recognizing that print is approaching its expiration date, which I thought was a great turn of phrase. Um, They are doing what in the business school world is apparently called harvesting market position. And what that means is you raise prices because you know your loyal customers are going to stick with you. And boy, if there's ever a loyal customer base, it's print newspaper readers. (laughs) God bless them. Um, And at the same time, you lower quality. And again, I think you could talk to a lot of longtime subscribers of the TNT to get comment on whether they've lowered the quality of the print product. Yeah, don't look at the Facebook comments. Yeah, exactly. Um, So apparently this strategy of harvesting the market position, which is what Politico claims is going on, uh, is is a legit thing. And we have no way of knowing that that's what McClatchy is doing. But um, here are some of the hallmarks of that strategy. Ah. Okay, here we go. Here's the list. Reducing page size. Hmm. Cutting news pages, narrowing coverage area, reducing staff, ding, 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 shrinking circulation area, postponing the purchase of new equipment, raising subscription prices. I don't know if that has happened here or not because I haven't been keeping track. Um, And they also quote a guy that I met once a long time ago. Uh, former Detroit News, uh, former New York Times reporter named Charlie LaDuff, who's one of the best writers I've ever encountered. Um, When the Detroit News years ago cut back and started just delivering three days a week, he wrote, uh, the reader decided to shrink the paper. It was the readers who stopped subscribing. It was the readers who stopped using newspaper classified. It was readers who stopped reading. Readers are the true villains in this murder mystery. <sighs> That's a lot to bite off. Also, yeah. also highly problematic, you know. That's, yeah, like, <laughs> and that's a very nice way of putting it. I right. mean, I mean, for Pete's sake, it's not like there's less news and less stories to tell. Exactly. You know? Or, I, I mean, they're just, I mean... What we heard when we did all of these community meetings up and down Western Washington when we were saving the station, every single meeting, someone got up to the microphone and said, if we save you, please come and report on our region. Mm. No one is reporting 
on our region. Um, it's Seattle TV news, and our newspaper just doesn't have the uh, uh, the firepower to actually right. yeah. do what we uh, need to do. We need we need coverage, and so we made a really really hardcore commitment when we were saved to actually do that, and we're doing it. We're like in the past six months, we've been to Port Angeles up on the Olympic Peninsula, mm-hmm. Bellingham, Grace Harbor. Um, I heard that. Yeah, yeah. that was great. Broadcast. I mean, and and the idea is you don't go there just when there's a disaster, right? Yeah. You go there and you talk to the you talk to folks in the neighborhood and you find really interesting stories because there are really fascinating stories in all of these places. We just have to dig, 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 and um, and people are going to people are going to want to read it because people are interested in what's happening around the corner. Yes. They always have been. Here, here's a, a, a comment from a journalism professor named Bill Adair, and this was in the Nonprofit Quarterly, of all places, in an article talking about the rise mm-hmm. of nonprofit news op- operations. Um, we know there's demand for the product. People want to know what their school board is doing. Yeah. People want to know what their city council is doing. They want to know if the local high school team won the game last Friday. And People you get know, so upset about the lack of prep sports coverage. <laughs> so here we are, the former TNT education reporter, former TNT city hall reporter. Um, that's exactly the heart of what local news is. Yeah, it is. And um, I do think there's an appetite for it. Um, I don't think there's enough of an appetite to make a profit in the old-fashioned way that newspapers used to make profits. I mean, it was huge Mm -hmm. profit margin, bigger bigger than Boeing's profit margin, you know. So um, I think those days are gone. And um, yeah, I think that there are some uh, very clear domestic models, you know, for uh, a group of journalists who would want to band together in Pierce County and create a uh, an online news source, and and that's what I think would be a great way to position it is is that it is very Pierce County yeah. centric. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't you know we don't do the regional thing. We're all about we do Tacoma and and the county. Mm-hmm. You know, yep. and we're at the school board meetings. We're at the school board meetings. We're yeah, exactly. We're at the county meetings. All of those things. And and I think that there are some good uh, – the one national model I can think of is The Guardian, you know, yeah. which was – you know, uh, which is online and there's a trust that was formed, exactly. yeah. you know, um, to, to keep that nonprofit uh, for a long time. So uh, you go on to The Guardian's website and there's a big banner at the top saying – Exactly. You know, give us a dollar. You right. know, yeah, you know, it's basically mm-hmm. – they, they see how many clicks they have. They're – you know, they get, you know, millions and millions and millions of people, you know, and if you're just asking for a dollar, it, you know, adds up pretty totally. quick. Yeah. That's how I got in trouble with Candy Crush. All they wanted was yeah, a dollar. Yeah, that's all they wanted was a dollar. That's how they get you. That's how they get you. Yeah, yeah. So I have a question about the business side of things because Debbie and I have talked about this and we've got, we, we're pretty sure we have the content side all down. But did you, so did KNKX already have someone on staff who could handle the business side of things as you guys were making this transition? Yes. Yeah, so we we're lucky enough to be already a well-oiled machine when it came to fundraising. So that would be something that you would need to to build. You need to build a development. Or perhaps borrow from a locally based public radio station. Oh, that's right. That's absolutely. <laughs> perhaps there's room well, for synergy. Well, I was going to say synergy. that one of the things that would make something like this really fly is 
the kind of partnerships that you could put together to make it happen. Um, so if you were to able to rustle up seed money, um, get some really great media and arts partnerships, uh, and you know folks who are willing to maybe not directly give you money, but give you the um, publicity and public awareness that you would need for folks to even get to the site to donate. Mm-hmm. You know that that's a big thing. Um, and uh, and get a person who is a development person, you know, um, uh, for folks who don't follow, you know, public media or or know what a development person is. A development is a person is a it's a very nice way of saying someone who raises money, you know. Mm-hmm. So, um, and there are best practices when it comes to uh, to doing that kind of work. So that would be a key position in. A, uh, a brand new organization that was nonprofit. You need a you need a team that knows how to exactly. go out and talk to people about um, about the mission. And that's kind of the cool thing about it is that you're raising money not based on how many people are coming to your site and clicking on your stories. You're raising money based on the mission, mm-hmm. and you don't go out and sell the clicks. You go exactly. out and you sell the coverage, and that is why you're getting people to give you money. That is the fundamental difference between For sure. um, between the money raising there. Yeah, and so it doesn't hurt if you get a million clicks a day, but <laughs> but still, that's not what you're doing. So how are things? I mean, pledge drives. It seems like from listening in, have ended quickly and have been really successful since you guys have been independent. Absolutely. And uh, they continue to be really successful. And I think a part of that is because we follow through with our promise to double down on local coverage and to make sure that we are talking about the region and not just talking about one part of the state, Mm -hmm. Um, which, you know, let's be honest, which is most of the media in the state is focused on Seattle and the traffic. (laughs) <laughs> and the traffic getting into Seattle, all the people who are coming into Seattle every day. so uh, Half of whom are coming from Pierce County. Correct. Yeah, that's right. And so we've decided that we're just not going to – we're not going to do that. We're going to uh, uh, just focus on the region. And I think as a result of that, people are responding with their, their dollars. They're saying, thank you. Thanks for mm-hmm. thanks for doing that. And so we've – yeah, we've met every Pledge Drive goal and – we are uh, on track to have a, an incredibly successful year. Yeah. You guys yeah. are kicking ass in Tacoma. When I was still covering City Hall for the News Tribune, me and Driscoll would always be like, fucking KNKX. Because <laughs> you'd start like beating us on stuff and you got into the stability site with Will James before right. we did. And we were just like, God. Yeah. Yeah. They, they didn't beat me very often. Uh, yeah. they, they often were following me, I'm proud to That's say. Right. That's right. Uh, back to your point about the Guardian. Uh, Excellent. I did not know, but apparently it's called the Scott Trust uh, uh-huh. that owns them. Yeah. Um, and uh, apparently their board of the Guardian, um, and again, this is current as of January of this year. This was in the Columbia Journalism Review. Uh, their board is led by John Patton, former CEO of Digital First Media. How about Isn't that? that? Interesting. They also talk about another, this article in the Columbia Journalism Review also talks about uh, the Philadelphia Inquirer and the Philadelphia Daily News. Um, 
Apparently, there's a big money guy, cable TV uh, mogul up there named Jerry Lenfest, who started something called the Lenfest Institute, supports local news innovation projects across the country. We're coming to get you, Jerry. (laughs) Um, Their board is chaired by, get this, I just love the small world, uh, David Boardman, who uh, is the former Seattle Times executive editor and VP at least as of this writing. Um, He was the chair of their board. Mm. Um, People speculating uh, at The Guardian um, that we think the universe of funders for media is going to grow. Uh, Apparently, the New York Times was going down this route for a while. Um, Yeah, yeah. There was a lot of talk about whether the New York Times should be nonprofit. It it sort of got sidetracked because the person leading it apparently passed away. Mm. Um, But I'm sure they'll be back. and, uh, you know, we have our own model here. The Seattle Times first started uh, their education lab yeah. uh, years ago with seed money from the Gates Foundation. And mm-hmm. I, I don't know what the situation is, whether Gates is still part of that operation. Um, I think they have a homeless initiative going yeah. that also has some philanthropic funding. I see that as the future of great journalism. Mm-hmm. Um, well, last summer... I believe a News Tribune intern, sports intern, was paid for out, out outside the TNT. I think it was maybe paid for by the Rainiers or something. Oh, that yeah. I did not know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh. Which um, obviously the Rainiers had nothing to do with the coverage and had nothing to do with the intern, but their funding enabled the TNT to have a paid summer intern. Interesting. Yeah, in sports. Um, it brings up another uh, important point uh, in my papers here somewhere, t- talking about when you go this route, you do need to build a really strong firewall mm-hmm. between your philanthropists and the newsroom. Mm-hmm. In the same way, journalism newspapers have always had a strong firewall between the ad department and the newsroom. Uh, in other words, you know, if if the Gates Foundation funds the news operation, they don't just write all the time about you know, their efforts to eradicate malaria in Africa or whatever it is. Um, And you have to be really careful about that. And experienced journalists know how to do that. So um, I don't don't think it's a question of certain individuals buying journalism. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah, And and that all comes down to uh, how you form your organization and the mission statement and what you put on the website to say, look, this is... Uh, what we value. This is how we operate. You know, this is how you could even put something up like this is how we take money. This is, you know, mm-hmm. what we we do when we go to somebody for money. I think that those are really, really great points. Uh, we have uh, something similar for us. We are very clear about the firewall between our sales department and our news department. They just never talk. Mm-hmm. You know, right. there are there are middle managers who do that kind of thing, but there is never an expectation that we are going to do coverage in a particular way because a funder gave us uh, exactly. money. Now, there are instances when you do go to a funder uh, for a particular type of coverage, saying we would we are looking for somebody who is interested in funding coverage about um, you know emerging technologies in Africa. I'm just being very specific. Yeah, yeah. And you know, there's a funder out there who wants to fund something like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, the but the idea is that they give you the money with no expectation that they're going to do anything in particular, you know, that, sure. that you're interested in. So, right. mm-hmm. um, so it's um it's but you're you're right. I mean, journalism and philanthropy 
it it sounds awesome, but you know when you start you know getting into the nitty gritty, um, some lines start to could yes. could potentially get crossed. You just have to safeguard about uh, safeguard them, and you can. Right. Well, I I I have probed into that area very very lightly with some interesting stuff that I did not know until I started reading about it. Um, if you're going to be a nonprofit journalism operation under IRS 501c3 rules, you fall, fall under uh, education. That's so right. you are educating the community. And interestingly, several sources I, I consulted said that um, if, if you're doing something for educational purposes, um, you cannot cover things like entertainment and sports. Huh. Hmm. Oh, I didn't know that. Is, you know, traditional areas that media cover. Um, I'm wondering if the arts might be different than ed- entertainment because I know uh, yeah. lots of public radio, public television focuses on the arts. Oh, yeah. Um, but they don't necessarily cover, you know, the latest cinemaplex blockbusters the mm-hmm. way traditional media does. Um, again, I would assume that there's a difference between high school preps, which is a huge uh, winner for this market, yeah. versus the Seahawks. Yeah. Um, and yeah. uh, also, this one was really hard for me to take, coverage of partisan politics. Hmm. Um, oh. You have to be very careful. Apparently, you may not endorse political candidates if you're a 501c3 journalist, yeah. journalism operation. Which, yeah. that's a little tough because as frustrated as I get with endorsements, I think on a local level for things like school board and city council and municipal court, they're very valuable. Um, but that's that's interesting. That's good to know. Yeah. So, Matt, yeah. if folks want to donate to KNKX, ah. where should they go? KNKX.org. Uh, there is a button in the upper right-hand corner that says Donate. And uh, make your uh, – is this coming out before the 31st, this episode? Yes. Coming out for, yes. Make your year-end tax-deductible donation uh, right now um, at knkx.org. And thank you very much. Yeah. Uh, but, yes, that's that's where you go and you do that. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. And if you want to donate to Channel 253 and hear more of these great conversations with these incredible minds – which I really appreciate. Uh, go to channel253.com. It's $4 a month or $40 for the year. And Debbie? I got two more things I want to say. All right. I, I do not have a website or anything because um, this is just a, a germination idea. Um, but if you're listening out there and you're interested, um, I did find uh, something from the Shorenstein Center at Harvard, um, which is a playbook for launching a local nonprofit news outlet. And there's also a lot of resources, how-tos, and legal information at the um, Reporters Committee for Freedom of the Press. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was really interested to see that I don't have to, like, invent this. Other people have already done that. <laughs> um, and I sort of wanted to end with a sad story because that's what we often do in journalism. Good kicker. Um, about... <laughs> The Uranus Examiner, and I am not making this up. This was an AP story uh, reported a a few weeks ago, I think. The Uranus Examiner, a small Missouri newspaper whose name inspired chuckles and groan when it launched a few months ago, is closing. The paper's editors announced the end of the publication after publishing just five editions since September. In statements posted on Facebook, 
managing editor Natalie Sanders and Louis Keene, the paper's owner and publisher, and I'm guessing only staff, <laughs> blamed a judgmental fuddy-duddy squad for the examiner's demise. They said many people supported the paper, but banks declined to loan it money. Businesses wouldn't advertise in it, in part because Keene, one of the people there, owned a strip club. Uranus <laughs> is an unincorporated tourist spot along historic Route 66 and is known for quirky attractions, including a fudge shop and the world's <laughs> largest belt buckle. I have to see that. I've put that on my bucket list. The decision leaves Pulaski County with no newspaper. Oh, R.I.P. Uranus Examiner. We yeah. do not in Tacoma want to become Uranus. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot think of a better way to end the show. No, there is no better way, actually. <laughs> Thank you, Matt and Debbie. <laughs> really you. appreciate it. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to Citizen Tacoma today. We are part of the Channel 253 network, where you can also find these podcasts, Move to Tacoma, Nerd Farmer, Interchangeable White Ladies, We Art Tacoma, Crossing Division, Flounders B-Team, and Taco Man. If you'd like to reach out to us about anything you heard on the show today, or if you'd like to suggest a guest or a topic, please email me at candice.rude at gmail.com. That's Candice with an I, dot rude, R-U-U-D, at gmail.com. The Citizen Tacoma podcast is sponsored by Alaska Airlines. I'm Candice Rude, and I fly Alaska. To book your next flight, go to alaskaair.com. This is Channel 253.